This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. On this day, Harik on the Bolu is here at UCSB. Aren't we lucky? Thanks. So, Hari, you've been invited as part of a whole program on new citizens in mm-hmm. the USA. And I wonder if you could say how or if you think your film, your very funny, very apt, very astute film, how that fits into images of new citizens or just citizenship. Well, I mean, it's an American story. You know, We can say it's an Indian American story, but it's an American story. It's an age-old American story. Immigrants mm-hmm. come... To a country, they have children, they try to find a way to either assimilate or integrate. They try to find some way to preserve their culture and their norms along with trying to fit in in a new place. They deal with harassment, they deal with bullying, they deal with you know, that struggle to fit in. So I feel like this is a, in a very uh, American story, and I don't think it's uh, an American story that we acknowledge as an American story. Right? Whenever we talk about immigration and stuff, we talk about it in terms of European immigration in like the early 1900s and things like that. But this is part of that story as well. You know, my mom is a U.S. citizen. She chose to be a U.S. citizen in part because she wanted to have an experience which in some ways was parallel to our own lives, me and my brother's life. And so she is the face of citizenship. She's the face of America, as well as my father, who is not a citizen. Who's a, who's a permanent resident. Like, as far as I'm concerned, that is one of the faces of America, too, as is people who don't have documents. I think we focus so much on this idea of citizenship, which is really about luck. I didn't earn it. I was born here. That's, that's happenstance. It's nothing in my control. And I think it's about redefining citizenship as this, this larger idea of what are we contributing to society? What, what role do we play in, in, our, in our families, in our communities, uh, in our country and world. I think that's the bigger way of seeing it. So I feel like this film certainly shows aspects of that. So let me just uh, ask you about this then. You could say that Apu in the film, in mm. The Simpsons, he's treated in a very friendly way often by people in The Simpsons. And so... He is part of the USA. He's not an outsider. How would you respond to that sort of comment? I mean, he's the only one in that community. Certainly, he's, uh, he's tokenized in mm. that regard. Also, he's not real. He's mm. a cartoon character. Mm. Uh, he's voice. Thank you. I mean, no, but that's <laughs> crucial, though. I mean, it's, it's, it's a portrayal written by white writers with a, a white actor doing a voice which he got mm. from Peter Sellers's voice, which mm. is another white actor who got his impression probably out of some random Indian people he met and wanted to make fun of. So I don't see that as a necessarily in a, a role that's embrace, like an embracement. Um, I don't even think embra- is embracement a word? Um, <laughs> but you, under, you get what I'm saying. It's not necessarily the most welcoming idea to me. Um, it's not like I saw that as a kid, and I said, they like us. I never thought, I knew what that was. You know, even though I was happy he existed initially, because we had nothing, there was no portrayals, so at least this was something, even on the most superficial level. Um, you know, I, I think it's, uh, people say, well, Apu isn't the worst character, he has depth. Um, you know, he's very funny, he's one of the smarter characters. Plots are built 
um, around him because of that. He has more depth than a lot of the other characters. He gets more plots than the other characters, and that's all true. None of that is false, but he's built on the faulty foundation of a stereotype. So he can only progress so far, because everything, like Shilpa says in the movie, has to be about him being our, not our, but the, the, uh, the white creator's view of what an immigrant is. Mm. It's not authentic. Mm. Um, it, it, there is no growth. As the, the growth that can happen with Apu is more reflective uh, of the growth in society and the growth of the people making the show, mm-hmm. not our growth mm-hmm. as a community. Those are two separate things. Mm-hmm. So what, what did you hope or what did you want to achieve by talking with Hank Azaria? And again, relate that to anything you want. Just talk a little bit about why you wanted to interview him. I mean, I think the benefit of interviewing Hank Azaria is that, I mean, one, we struggle to communicate with each other. And we, we talk about how divided this country is. And even in the smallest way, mm. to be able to have a discussion about something that, in the large scale of things, is not the biggest deal, but is certainly something that creates a great deal of frustration and yes. anger, which I have seen uh, from my Twitter comments and Facebook messages and various reviews from people who haven't actually seen the movie. Um, the people who see the movie generally like it, and the people who haven't hate it. Um, <laughs> So I feel like... What's wrong with that picture? It, I mean, it's, it's how the internet works. Um, but I feel like there's uh, this important discussion that can be had. Like, mm-hmm. look at two people disagreeing on something. Um, it's not a reflection of this larger push for political correctness or whatever people want to frame it as. It's two people having a thoughtful discussion about something, maybe not agreeing, even, even at the end, not being in the same place, but it's a civil discussion. Mm. And I also think you win points for participating. You win po- points for putting your neck out. You know what I mean? You have no, like, I, Say a bit more. Well, I mean, I think that the fear is if Hank Azaria does this film, you know, he's going to be grilled for it. Mm. He's going to look foolish. I mean, we have footage. We have archival footage when, like, nobody thought anybody would care, you know? So I don't think that's really the issue. But if if he takes part, we get to hear his perspective. That's a perspective I can only get through archival stuff to to be able to share a space with a human being and ask them who they are and what their experiences are. What was the climate at the time? How do you feel now? Like what, the give and take, you can't recreate that. Mm-hmm. So uh, you get points for trying. Mm-hmm. You know? And at the end of the day, I don't really care if Apu is on the show or not. It's been 25 plus years. Even when I made the film, I wasn't like angry about the Apu character. It'd been, you know, I, I wasn't 15 anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like this was something, to some degree, I had to project anger. Like, I don't feel that angry about the character. I got other things to worry about other than a cartoon character on a show that fewer people watch now. I feel like, to me, this is about, like, let's talk about the greater issues, the systemic issues involved. The Simpsons is a great way in because it's this kind of this show that uh, defines a huge era of television. Also, it's still around. You know, it's still there. And so that's what the film to me really was about. The Hank part, you know, it would have been cool to have that conversation. But ultimately, you know, this film was going to get made either way. Mm. Mm. And earlier you were talking about how racism mutates, so sort of taking you along this set of arguments. How does racism mutate? Talk a little bit about that. Sure. 
tell us a bit more about I mean, what you think? There's a few things. First of all, you know, I will say that you know, we talk about the history of minstrelsy in this country. Let me first say that I think um, the kinds of depictions of South Asians is not equivalent to the depictions, for example, of black Americans in this country. I right. feel like there's a very different racial history. There's a different set of you know, uh, you know, conditions that people came to this country. Like you, they can't be compared in that regard. However, there's a lineage, yeah. this lineage of mocking the other, putting the other in their place. Um, and it's not, you know, and I think Whoopi makes this point, it's not to be mean. It's not to harm necessarily. You know, perhaps with the caricatures, the political caricatures, that's one thing, but with entertainment, it's not that. When people are having these racist images, these racist images on cookie jars, it's to sell cookie jars. It's not to harm people. When Dana Gould talks about, you know, uh, the character, like if you take, like Apu has a certain set of moves. If you don't use the, those moves, Apu isn't funny anymore. It, it's because if, I, if we stop making Apu funny in this particular way, he's no longer effective. That lowers the value of the show. Mm. So the cookie jars and, and Apu's like stereotypical jokes, they're the same thing. It's the same thing. It's not, har- it's not trying to be harmful. It's, it's capitalism. We've got to keep the thing going. I don't have time to think. I gotta create another cookie jar. I don't have time. So that's the thing. Like when things mutate, it's not because people are being mean to each other. That's simple. We're not children. It, there's there's a benefit in racism. There's a financial benefit in racism. There's a you know it, it's it's to also to reestablish power relations. Like this is where you are. This is where I am. Like this is that's how this works. I think an example that I wish was in the movie but isn't is. Um, Sachi Ray, who we talk about in the film, created the Apu trilogy, right? Famed, independent uh, filmmaker, art, art uh, filmmaker from India. He makes this Apu trilogy. Sachi Ray actually knew Peter Sellers. Sachi Ray was trying to make a film called The Alien. It would have been his first Hollywood film. So he meets Peter Sellers to potentially, to, to get to know him and to see if, if Peter Sellers would be interested in being cast in this film that Ray was making. So they meet. They hit it off, and he agrees to be in Sachithray's film, you know, if it ever gets made. Um, some time passes. Sachithray finally sees the party in which Peter Sellers is in brownface, which you saw in the film, and he's horrified by it. Like, we have this discussion. You get to know me, and this is how you view my people. And not only that, the uh, character in the party has a pet monkey, and the pet monkey's name is Apu. Now, that's not a name that you just throw around, Apu. It's not like everybody's named Apu. That's a clear reference to the Apu trilogy, right? It's a clear reference to Sachitra. So when you think of this Apu character now, it's based on the voice of Peter Sellers, and it's based on the name of Sachitra. Like, that's how racism mutates. This terrible thing that happened this many years ago, this is how it looks now. Mm. You don't get to control how it's going to look. It, it, racism is not going to look the way it used to look. But it, it finds a way, as long as it's, it's productive, as long as it, it still can be useful, it can, be, it can make money, it will exist. And it's up to us to kind of nip it in the bud before it goes any further. Absolutely, absolutely. I think you're right. And it's such a shame that those, what, that wonderful, absolutely some of the best filmmaking I've ever seen was sort of salvaged, sabotaged through this. Why humor? You said we've got to, you know, challenge it challenge racism, you just said something that, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't remember your exact words. 
Why humor? Why? What is good about humor? Why would you? Why do you use humor? I Talk mean, a little I, bit about yourself, if you. I mean, I use humor personally as a defense mechanism. I always have. My mom has always had a very dark sense of humor, and as somebody who's been able to deal with their own pain through it, and so that was always going to be a part of my life. I don't think it was an active choice. It's kind of uh, in the DNA at this point. In terms of career stuff, I don't see my stand-up, for example. Um, as a as a social justice cause or something like that. Like my intention is not that. I go on stage. I try to make people laugh. The end. You know that's it's a simplification, Why? but because I enjoy. It. I like making people laugh. It's simple. I don't think I don't want to put so much thought into it. Like because I, I want to change people's minds, and you know I have this incredible power as a performer. Like no, <laughs> I get paid to te- I get paid to tell jokes. I enjoy it. <laughs> It's simple. The thing is, I'm true to my voice. These, this, the person that I am on stage is the person, uh, you know, that I am in real life. You know, I believe in honest art. I believe in art that punches upward. I want to go after the people with power, just like I do in real life. That's where the challenge is creatively, and that's also what is most just. So I don't do what I do to make a political point. I do what I do because it's funny and it's who I am. And I think that's you know where the best political art comes from. I think when people try to make something that's political, you know, if something's going to be political, you can't announce, I'm doing something political. You can't do that. That's not how it works. If you're going to slip the medicine in with sugar, you can't give it to someone saying, I'm giving you medicine right now. Like, that's not how this works. Like, you, you, you make it because you want to make it and because you, because you believe in it and you think about it. So I make people laugh because I like to make people laugh, and apparently I'm pretty good at it. I think with this, <laughs> I mean, I think with this film, the film is a little different um, because the film is a little bit more didactic, right? It has mm. a strong point of view and it's trying to educate people in it. It's different than my stand-up, right? It's a different set of goals. Um, you know, the film certainly nece- certainly wasn't the film I think I, I set out to make. I had something that was more academic in mind. I certainly, you know, the, you know, the, there's a lot of bells and whistles and colors in this film that pop up at you. You know, we have the whole chase for Hank Azaria, which is very much like Roger and Me, you know, one of Michael Moore's first films. You know, that wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do. Um, however, you know, I, I, I was privileged enough to get funding from True TV, and they, you know, took me up on this and gave me a chance to make this, this film. And, you know, when you're going to reach a mass audience on a cable network, it's, it's not simply art. It's also commerce. It's also how do you reach the most people you know, possible. So this became more of a pop culture documentary. And in order to drive that, you know, not only do I need to show a certain kind of passion and anger that I really didn't even feel at that particular moment, mm-hmm. I also, you know, we, we had to have some kind of subplot, a human part. Oh, chasing Hanka's area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've watched it enough times where I've kind of gone through the, all the different emotions and feelings you can have with it. At this point, I realized it wasn't going to be that film that I initially set out to make. The film it is now, in a lot of ways, is a lot more useful. You know, because I think there needed to be a 101. There was a reason people wanted to make this film. It's because they hadn't thought about this before, because it was new. Yeah. For me, I've thought about this forever. My community's thought about this forever. This isn't new. This is, this is not that... In- the most interesting part for me is really the Sushijith race stuff. It's like hearing people's stories... But for a lot of people, no one's ever thought about it. You know? and, and 
kind of seen uh, some of these mechanisms, like how it works. Like the whole thing with Rohitash Rao, I, he finally gets this thing on Fox. It's a pilot for his own you know, Indian cartoon series where he could talk about his family in an authentic way. There's no other brown people in that room. You know, I think being able to discuss that and see that and compare it to the Simpsons writing room, you get to see, oh, this is how these things get made because we don't have a say in it. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, I look at this film now and I, and I think it, did, it does a lot of good work. I, I love the fact it's on college curriculums and high school curriculums. It was not the intent when I created it. And certainly I see why a film like this is valuable now. Certainly as a creator of art, you know, this isn't necessarily uh, the film that the pure artist makes, you know. I still think it's a very good film. It's a I solid think, film. You know, you, it's a solid film. <laughs> it, do, it does a lot of good work. But I think, you know, there, there, there's two different ways. What is the film you can make? What is the film you want to make? What is the film that you think you can make and you have the capability of making? And what are the restrictions to making those things? Because at the end of the day, especially when it's commercial art, people have to understand it. People don't understand it. You know what I mean? Then it, it doesn't actually do the work. Um, you know, and I think at the end of the day, like, I, I do want people to see the work. It has to be, you know, pop culture works because people will actually consume it. Yeah, but one of, and one of the great things is that if it's on college curriculum, high school curricula, um, it gives inspiration. It provides yeah. a venue, an avenue for people to start thinking. Yeah. Like to be express it out loud, to articulate, to express those thoughts. And absolutely, and I do think that you know we didn't have that even 15, 20 years ago. Certainly, growing up, like these kinds of thoughts were whoa, this right. is like brand new. And now I feel like you know a fourteen year a fourteen year old now is potentially I'm not going to say it across the board, but potentially smarter than I was when I was twenty three. Because you grow up on the internet, you grow up watching all the stuff that's been made before, you know, which were real, like, you know, groundbreaking things, and now you have access to all of them. Um, that, what that means to me is that the art and the writing and the thought that will be created in the next 10 or 15 years is going to far surpass where we are right now, I mean, exponentially. So um, it's nice to know that uh, I'm contributing to that canon. Uh, it's not nice to know that means I will be uh, lapped soon and seen as irrelevant. <laughs> well, let's hang, hang you on in there, keep you in here for as long as possible then. Um, so you said there's the film you make and the film you want to make. Sure. Talk a little bit about what was left on the cutting room floor, if there is a floor like that anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's what's left on a, uh, on a hard drive, but yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> There was a, there, the stuff I was talking about in terms of Satchitre and Peter Sellers and that long story is really interesting. There's tons of stuff about the childhoods and the experiences of a lot of the actors in this movie, you know, experiences on set, experiences growing up. Like, Asif has some really interesting stories about just growing up in the UK and the fact that, like, they had multiple, like, racist depictions of South Asians. And so when he came to the U.S. when he was a kid, he's like, oh, you just have the one? Like... <laughs> To him, that seemed great. Is there you know? no creativity? You know, I definitely wanted to talk about... Um, I also wanted to do some comparison with the UK. I wanted to talk about the 1990s and how there was a South Asian boom and you had all this South Asian art. You had a show like Goodness Gracious Me, which talked, you know, was South Asian sketch comedy, which was Can parallel to Living Color here. Look for it on YouTube. It's, it's very funny. It's yeah. very funny, and I feel like, you know... 
it's very much a you know a, 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 of its time, but I do think that it was very mm -hmm. to me for me to see that was like whoa you know how are they there and how come we're here? Mm. Um, there, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. There's so many different angles. I wanted to talk to South Asian convenience store owners and get their perspective. I wanted to talk to their kids about what it's like that your father is this, you know, or, or your parents are convenience store owners. Did you hear anything growing up as a result? What kind of pressures did you feel? I wanted to talk to other like working and middle class South Asian people about their lives. And we definitely have some of that footage. 49 minutes, you can't fit it all in. Mm. So there's a lot of stuff like that which I think um, addresses holes I see. Like I don't want people to leave this thinking that being a convenience store owner or a cab driver or having a job like that is demeaning. Mm. It's not that, the, that Apu being a convenience store owner is demeaning in itself. That is not true. What is demeaning is that he's only seen as servile. Mm. That he doesn't have more dimensions. That... Uh, that he, because the nature of he's a cartoon character, he doesn't get to tell his story, and that there's nothing to contrast that with. You know, whenever you see, I mean, it's different, a little different now, but like certainly growing up, whenever you saw an immigrant character, especially in a comedic space, that person was a prop. It was a prop for a joke. You didn't really know that person's story. You didn't know how they got there. You didn't know what other experiences they had. It's irrelevant. It was accent, broken English, like there was, there was a reason they were there for the white protagonist. Um, I hate the idea that these you know, different people doing working class jobs, doing difficult jobs for their families, you don't get to hear their voices. And Apu to me is just like, oh, it's funny, this guy gets like, shot all the time because he has a dangerous job. And like, yeah, there's dark comedy in that, but like, you know, I, I knew people who got shot, <laughs> whose family members got shot because they had these jobs. And, you know, I would like to hear their stories sometimes, or I would like to hear their children's stories. Um, I do feel like there's progress, because I feel like I always get hit with that, but things are different now. I do think there's progress, but I think we should also realize the reason there's progress isn't because of... Uh, this idea of like, for the sake of diversity, we have to do something, it's just. People don't do things in this country because it's just, all right? What happened is the studios figured out, oh, these brown people have money too? And so <laughs> they started creating more programs because they realized there's money to be made. It's the same reason why, like there's new cookie jars now. That's what I'm saying. There's new cookie jars to make. And that's what it is. And maybe it's very cynical, but it's, it's, I think it's incredibly honest. You know, the internet changed a lot of this. The internet showed that people could build their audiences regardless of the previous gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. And as a result, those gatekeepers want that money. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to give you money to make more money. So that's what I think a lot of this is. And there's more networks than there ever were. And that means there's more holes and there's more programming and there's more perspectives that can potentially make someone else money. So I think that's where we are. I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily see this as a positive or a negative. It's just the way it is. And it's a lot better now than it was because at least we have a chance to be able to control our story. Mm. Mm. I'm making it up as I go along, everybody. <laughs> He's good, isn't he? There's a few more films in there. <laughs> you know, it's funny. These are the moments where I'm like, man, I, I spent a lot of time in academia before I decided to do stand-up comedy, and I can <laughs> about anything. And it is... Excuse me? I'm not saying... <laughs> We'll get him after, yeah? <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I know how papers are written. <laughs> I 
I don't you want did, to you, you didn't read those eight books. You read the bibliography of one book and you cited them all. I know what's going on. Thanks, Harry. <laughs> you made yourself really popular with me. <laughs> so, some people have said, okay, on, but um, continuing on a slightly more serious way, some people think that The Simpsons is anti-working class. Hmm. Would you ever think of it like that? I mean, I haven't. Um, I haven't thought about it that way. I mean, no, I haven't thought about it that way. Mm, yeah. Uh, if anything, I see a lot of moments where they, they do challenge power, especially like I was saying in the book, because of that Montgomery Burns character. Mm-hmm. I, I see how, you know, they, they, they often talk about, like, you know, for example, in the monorail episode, like how people are kind of pitted against, not pitted against each other, but fooled into believing that there's a magic solution because they desperately want improvement and change. You know, like I, I don't, you know, I'm not a working class person. You know, I was privileged enough to grow up middle class and upwardly mobile, so I don't know. You know, I don't think I have the the perspective to fairly judge that. Mm. But I mean, from my watching, I I never felt that. Um, The Simpsons, you know, I it's such an incredible show. It is so well written, and it it definitely, in terms of satire, like was the sharpest thing on television for the longest time. That's why I feel like some of the race stuff is kind of like this is kind of beneath the level of writing, and even in the in the, the movie, you know, like. You hear Mike Reese, one of those early writers, saying that you know we don't want to make him an Indian character because that's a comedy cliche. You know the the Indian accent's a cliche. Even then, they knew it was a corny thing to do, but they did it anyway. You know, it just feels like it's it's lazy comedy writing. And I say that as a comedian, like I know what's cliche and I know what's been done to death, and I know what in that show is like, you know, really forward-thinking comedy writing. Like I'm not just talking forward-thinking politically, like comedy writing like whoa like I never thought you could come up with a plot like that or that's a fascinating joke and I mean they're some of the best writers that's the reason why so many people who came out of the Simpsons you know have created so many other shows that we love Hmm. so um, I I can't answer that working class question but I will say that like there certainly are things and I think it's reflective of the time period also that uh, don't really fit how brilliant the Simpsons is I think some of that is also like nobody thought a show was going to last 30 years. You know, mm. They probably mm. figured a couple of years maybe. Fox was a network people didn't even know would last more than a couple of years either. Mm. So the whole thing is like 26, 27, 28 years. Nobody thought that. Harikondobolu. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.